Hello and welcome to episode 78 of Onion Unlimited, the podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Torridon. And today we're talking about chakras and crystals. And I'm joined all the way from Queensland, Australia, by my very own witchy woo, Mariella. <laughs> Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm all right, Mariella. <laughs> How are you good. doing there, upside down in Australia? Upside down, yeah, really good, really good. <laughs> it's really warm here. We've got another one of these uh, heat waves again. Um, they're reckoning it's going to be up to 37 degrees uh, Celsius this next week. Oh, you poor things. I know. I feel yeah. for you. We're not used to it, unlike you, although it's quite cold out there at the moment, isn't it? Cold at the moment, but uh, our summers can get pretty, hmm. pretty brutal, so... Cold. At least we have air conditioning here. Cold, upside down in the middle of the night. That's right, isn't it? That's right. That's right. So uh, chakras, crystals, frequencies, good vibrations, all this kind of stuff. Pseudoscience, mumbo jumbo, a load of old twaddle. Some would say so. I disagree with them. Do you? Yeah. That's good. That's the stuff podcasts are made of. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to lie. I used to think it was a load of old rubbish, if I'm honest. Anything to do with uh, chakras and crystals, I thought, nah, that's uh, yeah. There's nothing in that. But uh, you've converted me. I'm a com- I'm oh, a convert. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, yay! I'm a proper yay me. How would you define yourself? Do you define yourself as an occultist or an esoterist or a? Um, I don't know. Do you have a label for your outlook on things? I don't think I've given myself, I've sort of given myself a, an outlook as such. I think I'm still learning as I go. So being an XJW occultist is a difficult one to swallow because yeah. of the way it was presented to us. That's right. But that's, uh, that's occultist as opposed to cultist we've gone from being yes. in a cult to being occult <laughs> occult yes yeah that's right big problem um, yeah. with occultist from the point of view it just means hidden so it's kind of these um yeah so sort of it basically just means hidden or secret it's these kind of wisdoms and knowledges about things that are not general generally known by people yeah hmm. and then i sort of think to myself well isn't that what the book of daniel was all about seal it up it's I, not for I, you to understand. I think probably just on drugs, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, but uh, I do like the secrecy and the and the, the mysticism of it. And you do like that. I do like you that. You do like that. Yeah. yeah, I like that as well. It uh, it resonates with me. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, chakras. Let's start with chakras. What are they? Okay, so. All living things are created by and comprised of energy. So chakras are specific energy centres within and beyond the human body. Okay. Put simply. Energy centres within and beyond the human body. So I've, I've read about chakras being mentioned in some of the oldest Hindu writings. These go way back to 1500, 500 B.C., um, it comes from chakra. I'm saying that right, aren't I? Is it chakra? Chakra. chakra? I, I like how you say it. you say chakra. I say chakra. Oh, but, chakra. You know, okay. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. You know, 
<laughs> so lexically, this word and uh, chakra, it's an Indic reflex. There's a word for you. Of um, an ancestral Indo-European form of the word wheel. And okay. in ancient Greek, it's uh, it's the word cyclos. That's good, isn't it? Romanized uh, to the word cyclos. Literally means circle of life. And in well, the that's very, interesting. It is. In the very uh, early Upanishads of Hinduism, they mention chakras in the sense of a psycho-spiritual vortex or vortices. And they kind of they're they're kind of synonymous with some of the other Hindu words like prana or vayu, which means life energy, or a particular Hindu word which I thought was good, nadi or nadi, n a d i, literally means energy carrying arteries. That's good, isn't it? That's very good. Quite interesting because chakras are considered to be swirling wheels of energy that correspond to massive nerve centers in the body yeah and they actually store the energy of our thoughts feelings memories past experiences and so each of these energy centers has a unique purpose and each one affects a particular part of our mind body or soul so interesting you said you know you mentioned that cyclic description because you know they're considered to be a swirling, swirling wheels of energy. Swirling, so, like that, and that, that swirling. The idea of a psycho spiritual vortex. Yes, Ooh, yeah. it's, all, it's all going on, isn't it? <laughs> it's all going on in the body. All so busy, yes. As I understand it, then they are kind of focal points uh, throughout the body. They run from the all all the way through the body. Uh, yes. So we've got. Uh, two different views so we've got one um perspective which is like a seven seven areas or seven main chakras Mm -hmm. that are positioned from the column in the column from the base of the spinal cord to the top of the head yep then there's also considered uh to be 12 or more chakras uh, so there are additional energy centers located beyond the physical body. So, um, right. and they actually spread through to the oral body, which surrounds us, representing our ability to interconnect and experience higher spiritual realms. And by oral, we don't mean oral as in um, sound. Sound. No. We are referring to the aura. Um, the aura. The that's correct. Aura layer that. Um, surrounds the actual body it's the physical body itself um i read somewhere that there can be in some chakra uh, systems some say there's as many as 114 different focal points of these uh, vital energy centers 114 114 mm, yeah i think we'll stick with the basic seven <laughs> yeah seven's uh, seven's pretty good yeah uh, we could probably extend too. it to about Nine, nine, yeah. In that, that I can, good. I can sort of understand. I and mean, when you start going beyond that nine, that's getting really super spiritual. Yeah, and I've not yet experienced any of that. So, so when I have experienced it, then I can I can talk about it. So one hundred and fourteen is kind of uh, 
that's professional level chakras isn't it that's it yeah, yeah. very good so we've got our seven uh, seven main chakras chakras that we're going mm-hmm. to look at today that go from the base of the spine to the top of the head um just a little caveat at this point this seven chakra system that we're going to be looking at is the one that western yogic practices know most yeah. commonly this, this is this is the the most common one it doesn't actually trace its way all the all the way back to the very very earliest hindu origins uh, this this is actually something more of a um like we were saying before it's more of a western occultist adaptation of the original hindu and Buddhist chakra system, it became uh, dominant apparently around about the 15th, uh, 15th century. So it's still pretty old. Uh, and, yeah. you know, there's no- nothing wrong with the fact that it's it's an adaptation, but it is more of a more of a kind of Western occultist approach to the chakras. And it ties in, uh, we'll have a look at this a bit later, it ties in with the idea of crystals as well, doesn't it? With crystal mm-hmm. healing. It does, yes. And so forth. So can you just run us through, should we start with the first, uh, the seven? Can you just run the us seven? through the seven chakras? Yeah, starting from the ground upwards. Okay, so for the seven main chakras, we have the root chakra, which is the first one that's located at the base of the spine. Um, it governs survival instincts and their grounding. Okay. Uh, uh, the second, sacra- uh, second chakra is the sacral chakra. Uh, that's located in the lower abdomen. Yep. Governs sexuality, intuition, self-esteem. Um, the third is the solar plexus chakra, which is located in the upper abdomen, and this governs impulse control and ego. Yep. The fourth chakra is the heart chakra, which is in the centre of the chest, and this governs compassion, spirituality. Um, the fifth is the throat chakra. This governs communication and emotion. The sixth is the third eye. Mm-hmm. which is located between the eyes and it governs rationality, wisdom and imagination. And the crown chakra is the seventh, which is located at the very top of the head. And this governs connection with, with the divine. So they've all got a uh, specific purpose, as you say there. I think it's interesting that they put governs compassion and spirituality together. Yeah. To me, it sort of sort of brings a really close link between being a spiritual person yeah. and being a compassionate person. Yeah, just something I noticed there as well, the three lower chakras, the ones around the spine and the abdomen, seem to me to be more physical than the three above the heart. The three above the heart, the throat, the third eye and the crown chakra all mention the aspects of spirituality and uh, compassion and creativity a lot more. And then you've got the heart chakra, which is the one right in the middle, uh, three above, three below. And the heart chakra is almost like a bridge, it appears to me, connecting the physical and the spiritual. The first three 
apparently just something I read the other day. Uh, the first three tend to always be open. You know, the energy is generally flowing around the spine and the abdomen sort of area because that's kind of what we naturally are as humans. We've got this kind of mm. physical physicality going on. Where the challenge comes in is from the heart, throat and upwards. It's yes. this kind of, yeah, this spiritual sort of ascension, isn't it, through these different chakras. So this uh, this seven chakra system that particularly the Western yogis uh, follow is it comes from a text by a guy called Pernananda. <laughs> Pernananda Yati. <laughs> he wrote a book or an essay called The Explanation of the Six Chakras in the year 1577 which was then translated into English by a chap called John Woodroffe in 1918. So Woodroffe was a British Orientalist who's published works on a lot of the Hindu traditions, got a lot of interest going in Hindu philosophy and yoga in the West. Okay. So that was sort of around about 1918, but... This seven system, or six, upon which the seven system is based, goes back to 1577. It's interesting, isn't it? That's amazing. So it's it's kind of sort of uh, it's kind of come down through ancient Hindu beliefs about what the chakras are, through to 1577, and then on down to the early 20th century when it, it kind of became more westernised. I suppose you've also got what's his name, uh, Carl Jung. He was the one that particularly started to apply these psychological states to the chakras. So, you know, when you're talking about the uh, survival instincts and intuition yeah. and impulses yeah. and that kind of thing, they, it, it's kind of blending this idea of psychological states, psy- psychology, isn't it, into what is quite an ancient system. Um, yes. So you're sort of bringing East and West ideas together. I like it. I like it. Um, We're not to think that chakras, the way that we're going to describe them today, actually are the way they are, are we? I know we're going to talk about chakras being, you know, red or yellow or that's not actually what the chakras are. We've not actually got a red light in the middle of our... No, that's right. That's right. So this is more of a, a kind of... I think it's more of a, a visual representation mm. of something that we can't actually see. Yeah, so we, we start talking about chakras as being like coloured lights or um, spinning wheels or yeah. shaped like a lotus is one that I keep, com- keep coming up against. Specific po- points in the body like these little sort of mm-hmm. lotus, lotus flowers. Uh, apparently, the um, you know you mentioned each of those psychological points. Yes. Things like intuition, impulses, ego, spirituality, and so on. In the Eastern, you know, the more original versions of the uh, chakras, each of the points are lotus flowers, and each petal of each flower has a distinct emotion or psychological state. So... Oh. It starts getting very, very complicated when you get into the into the very early kind of beliefs on this. It's not so much that the heart is purely about spirituality or the throat is purely about emotion. It's that 
each point in the body has a flower with these little petals on and one petal is spirituality and one petal is emotion and stuff. Yes, yes. So it gives you this idea that the entire thing is working together with those psychological states? Yes, very much so, very much so. And there's a correlation, as you see further down the track, um, even when it comes to assigning crystals to each of these chakras, Uh that... The specific crystals can be used in for the different chakras, uh, but we're sort of trying to keep them color, you know, color coordinated, I guess. Yeah. Um, but they can be used for more than one purpose. So. Um, so this is yeah. an isolated, uh, an isolated system, or seven isolated systems. This is one system that is. It is one interconnected system. So if if there is a blockage or an underactive or overactive chakra, yep. all the others are going to be affected. Got it. So um, it's it's just it's like a, a, a team effort to um, keep it all balanced and aligned and open. You know what comes to mind when you uh, when you say that? Um, the word fractal again. It's almost yes. each point in the chakra system being like a being visualized as a lotus flower with each of the petals having kind of each of these um psychological states in and then you've got the whole system is like one giant lotus flower you know the the crown is like one giant petal and so on it's it's kind of you've got like a small version within each chakra of the whole that's yeah uh, that's what that feels like to me very good. Um, so we won't be going into. We'll, we'll try not to go too far into the uh, the really early um, and deep Hindu stuff because I don't know an awful lot about that. Um, no, I like to keep things simple. Yeah, we'll keep it simple. <laughs> we'll, we'll stick with the <laughs> we'll stick with the Western version. With I'm still words. learning. So. <laughs> you know, it was originally it, originally it was nothing to do with healing or anything like that it was actually to do with creating uh, entry points or installation points on the body during meditation for the deities or the energy of the deities to basically enter your body at, at various specific points of your body Oh, so okay. You, um, you know how you've referred to them as the root sacral solar plexus and so on and I know, I know they correspond to colors and frequencies and what have you we'll have a look at that in a bit but originally they corresponded to uh, some of the deities wow so the uh, the the one at the spine is ganesh my favorite hindu god yes the old elephant god uh, and it goes it goes through the seven ganesh brahma vishnu uh, rudra i'm murdering this isvara sadasiva and bariv Ari Rava. Sorry, Hindu friends. <laughs> butchered, butchered that. But yeah, it goes through the um goes through seven seven deities with their individual qualities and qualities, yeah. Yeah. That's, and it's it's interesting. Like you're creating a kind of gateway for these energies to enter your body and you do that through meditation. So it's a lot deeper yeah. than our seven point crystal system that we'll be looking at. <laughs> So there's there's no doubt in my mind uh, that our bodies are energetic. It is definitely all about frequencies, vibrations, pulses, and so on, isn't it? 
Absolutely. That's absolutely. You, you mentioned that the chakra points, the actual points themselves, these energy points, can store memories. Experiences. Yes. Yeah. So they can experiences, trauma. Mm. They can all have an effect on specific chakras, specific. which which then you know will be retained, yep. which can slow them down, block them, or speed them up, and still make them unuseful to the body because they need to be running at a certain vibration and frequency. So and if become, uh, they're off the charts either way, then it's going to affect the rest of the body. Kind of spiritually um, constipated, to coin a term. Yes, I guess. Yeah, you could put it that way. <laughs> Definitely. I'll tell you, I've got, I've got a theory uh, that memory Ooh. particularly and uh, – maybe even the conscious experience itself is not just purely consigned to just the brain in western circles we tend to think of uh, everything happening in the brain don't we you know memories that sort of thing but yeah i think it exists on a cellular level throughout the entire body definitely memories and definitely trauma that sort of thing can actually it's not not necessarily just a uh, just a memory that's stored in the brain, but it, it can actually reside in parts of the body and show that's correct. physical uh, physical symptoms. Have you come across uh, Have you come across a thing called body memory? BM. Body memory. No, only muscle memory, not body memory. Oops. Um. Yeah, I suppose similar similar kind of principle in a way, but it's it's a so body memory is it's a hypothesis that the body itself is capable of storing memories as as opposed to only the brain. So on on a cellular level, so that there's no current means by which we can particularly test this. Um, mm-hmm. It's generally thought that it's only brain tissue that is capable of storing actual memories, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not a thing. The reason, the reason I mention body memory is because within the context of uh, trauma treatment, it's, it's actually quite relevant when it comes to things like uh, treating PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. It's considered quite real within that context of trauma, what we call trauma memory because i know we're going to talk about chakras becoming imbalanced and that sort of thing and we've both had quite a lot of trauma in our lives haven't we you know at least coming out of a cult um yes and i wonder how i wonder how much of these things you know the trauma coming out of the cult you know adapting to life and that sort of thing how much of that actually messes with our vital energy points oh well do you think of the effects that it's had mm. um, and their ongoing effects, you know, whether we've moved on and accepted things or not, yeah, it's still ongoing. So it's, there's always a constant reminder. So I guess, um, yeah, it, and it definitely and it has it an effect. It always just come from, it doesn't seem to come, the trauma responses don't seem to just come from the brain, do they? It's, so certainly for like myself, I mean, I, I'm quite the empath and I know you are as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. It, it actually can be an all body experience. The trauma is yes, just definitely. a thought in the brain, is it? It's, no. It yeah. actually 
you know, your entire body suffers as a result of it. The, the, Very much so. Uh, the reason I don't think it's purely limited to the brain, just, just take one example for, for a moment. The, uh, you know, the heart has... The heart has what are known as nodes, basically little areas of tissue in the in the heart, in the heart muscle itself, um, that are able to generate electrical signals. And that's where you get your, you know, 60 beats a minute or 70 beats a minute, whatever. Right. Um, and it's produced from specialised tissue in the heart muscle. Which is very similar to, if you think about it, it's very similar to the synapses in the brain. Yes. You know, your brain is very much an electrical uh, system, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's firing these uh, yeah. electrical signals. And these nodes in the heart muscle are effectively what I used to call the heart's brain, which would fire these. So, so the way it will work is you, you'd have a primary node, which was known as the sinus node or the SA node at the top of the heart. And when it, it would fire an electrical signal and the the heart muscle at the top of the heart would, would constrict and squeeze the blood from the top chambers, the atrials, uh-huh. um, down into the lower ventricle chambers of the heart. And then what would happen, the electrical signal would, would kind of run down the heart muscle into uh, the bottom part of the heart where there was a secondary node that would kind of receive that electrical signal and then amplify it. So then there'd be like this second electric signal that would fire and that would squeeze the muscle at the bottom of the heart and pump the blood out of the heart and around the body. So you've got got this electrical signal that's kind of going, uh, you know, it's bang, squeezing the blood down, bang, squeezing the blood out of the heart and you that's where you get your you've got your heartbeat going on where the right electrical uh, signals are making the the actual chambers squish in and out with the blood going around uh here's the interesting thing if in the event of uh, a primary or secondary node failure so if if part of that tissue fails it has been known it has been known in the past that another section of the heart, heart tissue, can actually step in and take over the role of producing electricity. Now, wow. it doesn't normally do that. It doesn't normally do that because if all of the part, if all of the tissue in the heart was constantly firing electricity, you'd basically be in, um, you'd be in fibrillation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'd yeah, having a cardiac arrest. So, generally speaking, the uh, it's just the nodes that produce these electrical signals but if if one of them fails yeah it's like the the tissue in the heart can actually step up and take over take over that role so it it just kind of it just strikes me that to to just kind of limit things like memories you know and electricity frequencies and that sort of thing to the brain i think that's that's a misconception i think it definitely you know definitely and of course, our entire body is uh, made up of a nervous system, isn't it? System, that's right. Have you heard of what happens sometimes after a heart transplant with regards to uh, personality changes? Have you ever come across that? I have heard of it. Do Not that I've ever actually mm. known anybody that's, yeah. No, well, the, the, 
this this is a tough one because um, I, I know there were some articles that appeared in the um, magazines that we used to read when we were Jehovah's Witnesses that uh, years ago they used to be very much against transplantations. They used to yes. argue that it was like cannibalism if you if you had a heart transplant. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I remember that. And um, one of the other arguments they said is uh, if you get the heart of a uh, murderer or something like that, yes, <laughs> you could end up becoming a murderer. And I used to think, oh, it's a low rubbish that because it's basically just a pump, isn't it? You know, it doesn't doesn't affect your personality. Um, mm. But I've come across a few articles actually an article entitled Personality Changes Following Heart Transplantation, The Role mm-hmm. of Cellular Memory um, by a guy called Mitchell Lester, Lister from uh, University of uh, Colorado School of Medicine. He's into consciousness, near-death experiences and indigenous healing practices. There you go. Mm. And... Um, He's written a paper all about cardiac neurological memory, the fact that the heart can actually store store and retrieve uh, memories, including trauma. There's a complete uh, science on this known as epigenic memory, which is basically the principle that trauma can be inherited. Yes. So it's sort of almost, the trauma almost resides in the DNA or the yes. RNA. Yep. And if you, if you end up actually taking a... Uh, Taking somebody's uh, heart into your body, you might end up uh, receiving all their trauma as well. It is reversible, apparently. You just have to think. Yeah, I think I think too. Um, my ex's mum had major heart surgery, hmm. and prior to, they'd actually said to her that um, they'd have to pull the heart out of the chamber. And hold on to it. And because they had to hold the heart, the heart isn't designed to be held. So they basically said, you know, you will end up going through like a a deep depression after the surgery. Ah, okay, yeah. Um, And that will be brought on because we have manhandled the heart, basically. Uh, So I wonder if there's additional trauma at a cellular level Mm. as they are you know, removing the heart from one patient, handling it and uh, putting it into somebody else. The brain at that point is pretty much out of the picture, isn't it? It's... uh, So uh, it wouldn't know, would it, technically? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, the the brain is going to be put put under uh, anaesthetic, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Interestingly, the heart's the only part of the body that the brain doesn't control in terms of, you know, you know how the, the, you know, the, you use your brain to control your hands and your feet and all that sort of thing. Yes, yes. The, uh, the brain doesn't control the pumping of the heart. The heart has So the heart has a mind of its own. The heart has got a brain or a mind of its own, yeah, those little sinus nodes, which is why you can be brain dead and your heart can still be working. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So it's. I mean, right, eventually, so eventually what eventually what would happen? You could be brain dead. Eventually, your heart is going to say, "Hang on a minute, something's not right here. I'm not getting oxygen into me because once, I suppose you, once your brain's because dead, you stop breathing. All the other organs shut yeah. down when the yeah. brain. Okay, and then the right. heart picks up on that and says, mm, "Not getting any oxygen in. So what's the point?" 
<laughs> there's no point pumping blood around the body if I'm not getting any oxygen. Right. But technically speaking, this, this is why you can take a heart out of a body in in an operation, and it doesn't it doesn't just stop beating. <laughs> Those electrical signals are still uh, still going on. Yeah. Wow. I know that's a little bit of a tangent, but I just thought that was interesting. Body memory and trauma. This this idea that it's our entire body that that store these memories, and that ties very much in with these uh, chakras, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And talking about that cellular memory too, I suppose the mm. cells vibrate at certain frequencies. So they must do. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there has to there has to be some kind of a connection there. For it to. There's electricity all yeah. over the body. I mean, just just the atoms that make up the, uh, the the molecules that make up the cells is electromagnetic. There's electromagnetic signals yeah. being sent all around. So yeah. So um, hmm, these uh, chakras, then these chakras. Yeah. Um, how should we how should we understand them? Uh, we've got these visual visual ideas, haven't we? Of uh, Discs or wheels or flowers or based on colour and all that kind of thing. Um, are these are they literally points of energy? Is there is there actual energy at these points in the body? Well, there would be, but hmm. I mean, energy is flowing right through the body. But these are central points where nerves and organs, uh, I suppose, just generate a particular type of vibrational energy right. that can be affected okay, so by outside influences. Yeah. So we've so we've basically got energy all over the body. We've got electricity yep. in every part of the body. And then we've got the these, I suppose, like little focal points of energy. I think this is probably why it's so difficult to measure them. <laughs> uh, That's right. Yeah. Because we we were talking uh, the other week, weren't we? About you know, is it possible just to sort of rig you up to a an ECG or something like that and uh, measure each each chakra? And it, it's not yeah, it's not that easy, is it? It's not that easy, and it, you know, basically the way science works, if they can't test it, then they don't. It don't you know, science doesn't believe that it's yeah. actually a thing. Um, so there's a lot of scepticism. Uh, yeah. About it, and I, I think but, I think yeah. um, when, whenever it comes to anything that tends to be a bit esoteric, there, there seems to be a bit of reticence. Is that the word? Um, yeah, it's one of those things that scientists don't always want to go down that rabbit hole too much. You start getting the possibly a bit too wacky <laughs> if you're not. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'll stick with the mainstream a bit. The, the problem with it, I I did a bit of research. There's a guy, well, actually it might be a lady, I think, called Shamini, Shamini Jane. She's a psychologist at uh, in California at uh, the University of California. And she was saying that there's been no real meaningful research into chakras since about 1978 there was someone called valerie hunt at ucla in the 1970s that attached electrodes to the various points along the chakra system so for example she stuck an electrocardiogram on the heart to measure Mm -hmm. uh, changes energetic changes in the body um but the problem they ran into 
repeatedly was that the chakras don't just work in isolation. So when you're measuring something in the body, you're actually picking up signals from all over the place. All over, that's all right. Over, yeah. So that she was just saying it was really difficult to isolate them, the actual signals themselves. And eventually they just <laughs> they just sort of gave up. Gave up, yeah. yeah. So scientists don't really know the mechanism behind the system, but they, they do know there's certain things that work, like they've done... Um, They've done research into Reiki healing, which is... Uh, yes, energy healing, energy basically. Healing, again, transference, yeah. Transference of energies. Um, mm. Is that related to chakras again, Reiki? Uh, is that... A yes, problem? it is. Is it? Yes, yeah. And they've, they've found that, uh, you know, this gentle physical touch on uh, these various points lowers people's anxiety, depression, even physical pain. Mm-hmm. And I don't know... They just they just scientifically can't pin it down to whether it's a result of the energy moving around or whether or whether it's just really relaxing. <laughs> Probably a bit of both. Could be a bit of both. I mean when you know, when you can feel that heat transference right. through the Reiki. It feels hot, does it? It, it does tend to warm up, even though they're not touching you. You can actually right. feel a heat come through. Yeah. Not everybody feels it the first few times. Sometimes yeah. it takes a couple of sessions, depending on how blocked the, you know, the energy flow is in that particular area. But, um, no, it's, it's interesting that you can actually generally will feel that heat in that particular area that that's yeah, it's in, being focused on. That ties in with something I want to chat to you about later about um what's known as phonon tunneling <laughs> we'll get to that in a bit oh um, that sounds yeah. interesting heat heat is interesting when it comes to uh, comes to energy the problem with energy is obviously it's not material you can't see it and a lot of science is uncomfortable with things that it can't kind of pin down that's right. Um, yeah. This um, Jane said, uh, we're comfortable with the idea that a drug can fix problems, but we're not comfortable with energy doing the same thing because many don't even mm. believe that energy is real. In this day and age. <laughs> in this day and age, yeah. She said, um, if you could measure changes in your energy biofield before you got physically sick, you could potentially prevent disease. Uh, yes. And she said that is a code worth cracking. But... It's just it's just not something in this Western world that we're particularly spending a, a lot of time in. Well, it, remembering uh, that the, the health system is a wealth system, so... Uh, yeah, and it, and it is normally just, you know, if you're feeling depressed, give them an antidepressant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, so... It's easier. It, it is easier, yeah, and it's tried and tested, I suppose, because um, you're physically affecting the, you know, the chemical chemical composition of the actual brain itself that is responsible mm, for mm. you know a lot of what's going on in the body but i don't think it's a particularly holistic way of dealing with physical problems throughout the body is it you know you, yeah. you give you give you an antidepressant or an antipsychotic or something like that 
or a sleeping tablet or whatever and it, it's it's basically just kind of numbing your brain a bit isn't it mm. and i mean there are there are conditions that will require medication Absolutely. you know um we're not saying that you know getting the energy flow is going to to cure everything no uh, but it will help uh well, I, don't, you. I don't even know as um you know like uh, for example antidepressants i mean i take an antidepressant tablet um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it actually cures depression, does it? it doesn't oh, when you look it. at the side effects, <laughs> you oh, read the side, side effects, effects on the little leaflet can cause depression. It's like, but I am depressed. Why am, yeah, I, why am I taking this? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, um, even if even yeah. if sort of like it makes you feel a bit better when you take that antidepressant away, you know, if you take it away you too soon or you just stop taking it, which is never advised. You notice yeah. the problem is still there. It's not really treated the person, has it? It's more of a band-aid. It's a band-aid. Yeah, it's a it's band-aid. It's a band-aid, I yeah. Wonder whether, I wonder whether the, the approach should possibly be in the Western world, you know, with things like anxiety, depression and physical pain and what have you. It, it strikes me that there's a role to be played in drugs, particularly in the early stages of uh, trauma, mm-hmm. um, depression, anxiety, but maybe we should be looking at also introducing some of these other healing techniques on a long-term yeah. basis so that ultimately the entire body is treated, you know, holistically and the trauma that's yeah. trapped in on a cellular level is actually released and balanced up. And then we might <laughs> we might find that we could come off some of the uh, antidepressants. And some things, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all part of your uh, management, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just I just know from personal experience, you know, the uh, antidepressants are helpful, but uh, also I found uh, talk therapy was particularly helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, psychotherapy and uh, CBT, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, so it's you know, it's not just a matter of targeting you know a chemical in the brain just to kind of take the edge off your depression. It needs yeah. to, you know, the treatment actually needs to perhaps go a little bit, a bit deeper. And you do have to work, and you have you to do work. have to work along with it. You know, it's not like a pill is going to cure magically cure everything exactly. just like that. You have to work with it. You know, so I know I've I've taken antidepressants and <clears throat> anti anxiety tablets. You know, yeah. and you sort of think, okay, well, I'm anxious. I'm going to take my medication, but that doesn't mean that as soon as I walk out the door, I'm all good. No. I have to work with it. I have to say, okay, well, you know, like you said, you yeah. CBT. Um, and then 12 or 24 hours late, you've got to take another one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You come home and you're, you're totally exhausted and flaked out on the bed because That's it's it. just taken it all out of you. But you've worked with it. Yeah. You've, I th- and I, you've I, made it through my, the day. My personal view is, my personal view on this, and it is only a personal view, but my personal view, I think Western medicine particularly has overemphasized the brain's role in all of this. I think the brain is, you know, it's an amazing organ of the body. It's a, I suppose, a vehicle, isn't it, by which we sort of navigate the world. But our higher mm-hmm. self, our higher self is not, you know, even our consciousness, I don't think is produced by the brain. I think our higher self is beyond the human body and 
it's not just a case of treating a brain and everything's good. You've, you've got to make sure your entire body is working in order for your higher self to be able to navigate life with that body. It's the only body you've got in this. In this That's life, right. Isn't it? You know? So, uh, that is right. Talking about the uh, talking about the body, can we just come on to you mentioned about extra chakras? Um, yes. So you've got the phys- you've got the points in the body that we've discussed already, one through seven. Yes. You spoke of a an aura or an oral body. Yes. Is this like the astral body, similar to that? Yeah, basically. Yeah. So. There are a number of different aura layers mm-hmm. to our bodies. Um, and so, yes, they eventually move out into the astral body. So on top of those seven chakras that we mentioned earlier, yeah. this 12 chakra system um, starts with number one as being a, called an earth star chakra, which is estimated to be located between 6 and 18 inches below the soles of our feet. So not so actually, not actually, in not actually part itself. of the physical body. It's it's in that aura space. And this is yeah. another energy vortex, however you want to look at this, but it's actually That's right. But it's still part of you even though it's even though it's maybe a foot away yes. from you from your feet. Yeah. 12 yeah. inches from your feet. Right, okay. That's the Earth Star. Mm. And then um, we move through to the, the root chakra, the sacral chakra, solar plexus. So they all get, heart. They all get bumped up one. So the They'll get bumped up one. comes yep. the second, third, fourth. Yep. So when you get up to the crown chakra. And then you get to the crown, which that, becomes the eighth chakra. Yeah. Uh, and then the ninth chakra is called the soul star chakra. And that's located about six to twelve inches above the crown chakra. So again, outside of that physical body space, but into the aura space. Uh, so a foot below your, a foot below your body, and a foot above your your body, you've got these. Yes. External. You know what that reminds me of? What's that? That reminds me a bit of you know when you look at a um, a picture of the Earth, uh, the globular Earth which I believe. Yes. And you've got like the electromagnetic field that goes and it, it kind of it kind of goes from the north to the south poles. You've got that Have you seen that before? That that kind of depiction of the magnetic field, I think it is. It's going from north to south and it's sort of embodied yes. entire you know, it embodies the entire earth. And I think that's probably yeah. where we get things like ley lines and all that kind of Yeah. From. yeah. It's almost like we've got these energy points within our body going from base of the spine to the crown of the head but we've also got a point above and below and i assume that these are all connected to each other so well, they would have to be they're all, they're all they're all part of hmm. it just yeah it encircles our bodies so there's energy so, flowing not just through the body but around the body around it as well yeah as well and then you say that goes out through 10 11 12 You've got other layers that are coming out. Yes, and apparently there's more. So the tenth chakra then becomes the universal chakra, the eleventh is the galactic chakra, Goodness. and the twelfth <laughs> is the divine gateway chakra. Um, wow. There's not a lot of information on those additional three there. No, uh, I suppose uh, Western. <laughs> 
Well, I, I, Western, I wasn't, uh, until you mentioned it to me, I wasn't even aware of the uh, the ninth. The Soul Star. The, yeah, the, yeah, uh, Soul the eighth, Star. Yeah. I wasn't even aware of that yeah. one. So. Or, the, uh, or the first. The first one particularly uh, interested me, actually, because um, there's a quotation that you and me like. Nikola Tesla said, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency and vibration. Yeah. So everything in the universe is made up of energy. So if it helps us understand the universe, then it should very well help us understand yes, human because I think I think again, workings. Um, I mean, I've I've had quite lengthy conversations with yourself and also with Chris that I've had on the podcast before about. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all of the opinion that we are not isolated individuals in all of this. You know, that is very much an illusion. This whole thing is one. Yes. You know, we are the universe um, at risk of sounding very new agey. We are essentially star children. We're made yeah. up of the things that the universe is made up of. Uh, That's right. The um, you know when it comes to frequencies, because uh, Tesla said about basically the whole whole universe is made up of uh, energy vibrating at these different frequencies. Yeah. Um, Earth itself has apparently a frequency of 7.83 hertz. Hertz is um, vibrations per second. So the Earth actually vibrates at 7.83 vibrations per second. Uh, They call it Earth's heartbeat. It's nice. Oh. She's alive. She's alive. Well, yeah, I, th- I think that's. That I, I feel very. Th- th- this is what I mean. I think years years ago, you know, going back, I used to be very pragmatic and very scientific. Uh, you know, as in known scientific about a lot of things. And the idea that the Earth was actually alive or the universe was actually conscious, you know, seemed a bit rubbish. Mm. And start mm. saying that we've got these energy vortexes and that crystals vibrate and heal us and all that sort of thing. But um, I, I have actually come around to that idea. I subscribe to that very much now. Uh, interesting thing with the Earth, if the Earth is vibrating at 7.83 wobbles per second, the natural frequency of a human standing body is, guess what? <laughs> the same? Almost the same, yeah, 7.5 hertz. So we are very much in tune with the frequency of the, the Earth itself. And, wow. Um, you mentioned about this uh, Earth Star Chakra, which is below the soles of your feet. We were chatting yesterday, weren't we, about walking barefoot? Barefoot, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, How's that feel for you when you're walking barefoot? Particularly if you're walking outside. Outside, yeah. Mm. Not so much, um, not I so do much the... on your carpet. <laughs> no. <laughs> Or on a, on a hot summer's day on on the asphalt, um, but you know walking walking on the grass, walking oh. on sand, on natural rock, earth. Yeah, mm. earth is a nurturer. We yeah. we absorb, earth, isn't it? Mother Earth. That's right. Um, we absorb what she gives us yeah. through our feet. So it makes sense that, you know, you'd have this uh, additional chakra on the outside of our bodies where we are connected, earthed, for for want of a better word, 
to the earth. We're channeling. We're channeling whatever she's giving us and that feeds up through the rest of our bodies. And then you've got your crown chakra, above the crown chakra, which is your soul star chakra, where it's feeding down whatever the sun gives us, whatever, you know, from above. Um, and so we're, we're nourished and nurtured from, from above as well as from below. Uh, I, I think it's it's very poetic. I think that's amazing, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then you've got this kind of natural frequency, you know, 7.5. From within. From within. That's it. Yeah, and then each of the individual chakras themselves are then vibrate at a different frequency. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the lower the lower the chakra in, in yep. the body, the lower the frequency. The lower the frequency. Yeah. Okay. So it's not this is not purely a physical energy thing. We're actually we're actually bringing in here the idea well met- metaphysics essentially isn't yes. it we're extending yeah, this to right. mental emotional and spiritual energy so uh, even thoughts even thoughts have frequencies yes an idea yes. has a frequency it doesn't have to be something that you can physically tangibly touch you know and that's very much the case with these um with vibrations everything looks so yeah. very solid doesn't it in the universe yes but it's not 99.99999% of everything is actually empty. Yeah, it's energy. It's energy. Most yeah. of most of matter is energy. Yeah, it's uh, vibrating yeah. energy. And um, just from a purely visual perspective, the chakras are represented as colours, aren't they? And, of course, colours. Yeah, so colours. Colours and energy. Have their own wavelengths vibration and so corresponding colors with these chakras and their locations so the root chakra for example is red well red is uh, has the longest wavelength of visible light and so it has the lowest energy and then you've got violet which is associated with the crown chakra chakra. it has the shortest wavelength so it has the highest level of energy of visible light so it makes sense that that would be attributed to the crown chakra so as you as you work through these colors they are uh, this reminds me of the old uh, i can sing a rainbow song yes <laughs> you've got red orange this is going from the bottom from the bottom up, bottom yep. up. you've got red orange yellow green is your middle yes blue indigo violet yeah Interesting uh, that green is between yellow and blue. Ah, uh, yeah. That's just, that's yeah. Right. Green is the heart <laughs> chakra. Yes. It does seem like that heart chakra in the middle has got a, uh, that's got a very prominent role to play. It's, it, it, oh, definitely. Very much right. And, you know, bringing in this idea that you've got this kind of, what did you call it, the, the one at the very base, uh, the earth star chakra at the bottom, and then yep. you've got the soul star chakra at the top. Soul star, yes, that's right. That feels to me like the the chakras above you, above your heart, are more spiritual in nature, and the chakras yes. above your heart more more to do with physical, physical in nature, physicality. Yeah. yeah, your kind of animal body. That's very good. Yeah. So um, we're talking light. We're talking electromagnetism. We're talking uh, color. So many things that come into play. Yeah. But again, this is purely while they correlate. It's purely just a visual representation of what we can't see. Yes. 
but it helps us to understand the, the differences for each of the chakras. As you go from red to violet or bottom to top, it's becoming yes, a right, faster, yeah. faster frequency and a shorter wavelength. That's correct. This reminds me of, you know, the old spinning top yes. experiment we did at school where you take your colours and draw them on a piece of paper and then you spin them round and round and they, uh, they all blur into white. Into white, that's uh, right. Um, that is the colour... Of the soul star. Of the soul star. Very good, yeah. Chakra, yeah. Golden. I also say it can be gold. Yeah, white or gold. Reflective. What's, do we know what the colour of the... Um, Earth Star Chakra is... I didn't come across anything on that, so if anyone else can enlighten us, hmm. I would say it would be probably more of a deeper red. Deeper red, Possibly yeah. down to a darker colour. But um, I suppose red has the lowest vibration, so yeah, it'll probably you're just heading, be... You're heading towards... Yeah, you're going towards... Maybe even... Um, maybe even black. Black, yeah. Yeah. This uh, also corresponds with sound. Uh, I know you're into your colours and, yes. and everything. I'm, uh, as a musician, I'm quite interested in sound frequencies. Yep. And uh, I looked it up. You've got uh, your root chakra, your red one. Yes. 432 hertz. So 432 vibrations per second as far as sound is concerned that's an a there you go and it works up it goes a b c d e f g (laughs) there you go so the actual there's an actual structure to this so the the root chakra is 432 and then that raises to 480 528 hertz so the this this is not colour now we're not talking about light this is yes sound sound. Uh, and it goes all the way through to 768 hertz which is purple which is a g interestingly light works in terahertz (laughs) so when you when you say light is light for example the root chakra is uh, 400 484 terahertz it's um trillion hertz (laughs) Wow. Light actually moves at much, much, much higher frequencies than sound moves. Yes. Uh, obviously. And, uh. Sorry. That's all right. Hello, Jarrah. Hang on. It's all right. Molly decided to uh, run out earlier. Molly's your kid. And now she's. Yes, and now she's back. Uh, <laughs> she's like, I need to come in, Mum. Wants to join the podcast. That's okay. She wants to join the podcast. We welcome dogs and cats. Oh, my too. Seriously. <laughs> so these uh, notes running from A all the way through to G, obviously we would experience those in meditation music. Um, Tibetan monks with their chants. Yes, they vibrate, don't they? Um, Gong baths. I know you're big on your... Gong baths. Gong baths. Yes, yeah, I love my gong baths. Uh, it is a wonderful time to just lay there and let somebody else play the huge gongs or crystal bowls or both. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at the same time. So she'll do a... She'll start off with the the gong baths and get the the deeper resonance 
happening. So you lay on the and floor. And then finish you off. Lay on the floor. And there's some. some you lay on the floor on a nice cushy blanket. Some guy with a bang, banging a gong at various frequencies. Does it? Can you yes. feel that resonating through your chakras? You can. You can. Um, you feel the vibration of the sound. Yeah. How does that make you feel afterwards? Oh, it's amazing. It's an amazing. It's very relaxing. Very, very relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm imagining. And, I'm imagining that's a little bit more invasive than maybe crystals. Is it a little bit? Uh, more? Bit more uh, noticeable than a crystal, or do, or do you more, think yes, yes. This is a crystal's quite, quite strongly. I I pick up on on crystals quite strongly. So for somebody who's not as sensitive to uh, crystal energy, yeah, a sound bath or a gong bath or a crystal bowl bath, um, good alternative. Oh, it would be a fantastic alternative, definitely. I like that. Definitely, it's a good a good place to start to sort of shifting the negativity yeah and any any blockages in the, the chakra system yeah i think i'd probably be more receptive to uh, sound vibration than i would however having said that you can actually combine then uh, crystal energy with the sound baths with sound you can see why music festivals yes can be a yes. very or just music in general you know when you go to a concert or something like that yeah. Why it feels a very spiritual experience, can't you? Yes, very much you know, so. A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, which are the which are your your seven notes. Yes. And every song that's you know every tune that's ever been created has been created out of those seven notes. You go to a concert or something, all of your frequencies are being. Yeah, liked, that's they? right. Amazing. That's right. Amazing. Um, the uh, the brain itself, interestingly, runs at much much slower frequencies. I thought this was interesting. The um, you, you've heard of uh, beta waves, al- alpha waves, yes, beta yes. waves, de- delta waves. It's basically beta waves are what tend to be evident when you're particularly anxious or if you're particularly active. You know, if you're really kind of. Uh, concentrating on something mm-hmm. beta waves are around they're only around about 12 to 35 hertz you know whereas, wow. whereas we're talking the the slowest of the uh, sound waves are 432 hertz you know kind of over 120 times faster if yeah and then you know you hit it with your uh, you hit it with your colors as well you've just sort of like multiplied that by a trillion so uh, your brain is actually, even at its fastest states, it's it's actually quite slow in comparison. Alpha waves are 8 to 12. That's when you're relaxed or just passively attentive to something. You've got theta waves, which is when you're really relaxed. You know, when I get all very, uh, you know, when you notice that I'm getting tired, when my voice starts going all <laughs> slurry, yep. like I'm having a stroke, um, <laughs> four to eight hertz. That's what I'm working at there, and then oh wow, four to eight hertz. That's that's really slow, isn't it? That's that's, that's very slow vibrations every second. And then when you get into sleep, so delta waves, you may not even get a vibration per second. It may even go as low as half a vibration every second. So one vibration every two seconds. Wow, interesting, that isn't it? So your your brain is your brain's actually frequencies are a a much slower slower rate than these uh, external influences that we're bringing into things you know whether it's sound or color 
Yeah. I suppose if you go to a if you go to a rave, <laughs> you got both going. Well, then. <laughs> eh? That's different again. <laughs> Not that I'd know. No, that's right. You got your. Um, I don't think I'd last a rave. I might just about I get through a long bath. Yeah. Oh, you'd fall asleep. I'd fall asleep. Yeah. You'd fall asleep. And interestingly enough, even if you fall asleep during a gong bath, I, your body is still still works, receiving. It? Yeah, it's still it's still doing its thing. Makes it doesn't sense. have to be on a, on a, on a, on a mental level, but that on a physical sense. and cellular level. Right. Gong yeah. baths gong baths are more work at a work at a cellular level. Yeah, so it's um, so me yeah. talking about brain frequencies there. That may even be irrelevant. It's well, not the decide the deciding factor, is it? It's uh, no, no, that's right. Yeah, that that makes sense. Very good. Um, I found some interesting information actually on because um, I know we were debating the other day how all these frequencies all match up. You know, are they? Are they the same? You know, is is a chakra's frequency the same as the color red or mm-hmm. sound of the sound of the note A or whatever? And we were struggling to find any kind of correlation, really, weren't we? In so far, yeah. you know, the colors are trillions of hertz. The the sounds are you know hundreds hundreds of hertz, and then the brain itself is. Then you've got the body is sort of way down at seven seven point five hertz at the standing rate. But I found uh, I found something interesting about frequency synchronization. See if I can explain this. So you're you're a singer. You understand about octaves, don't you? Um, yes. You know the fact that you can have a note A at four hundred and thirty-two, but you can go up an octave. Yeah, and it's still it's still a note A. All you've done is you've doubled doubled the hertz. So you would go up to eight hundred and sixty four hertz would be a note mm-hmm. A again, but it would be above. Yep. So you you can actually make these overlap by using octaves. Mm-hmm. So that so the idea of an octave effect, effectively what you do if you shift an uh, if you shift a note by one octave what you're basically doing is you're stretching the uh, you're stretching the frequency you know the sine wave the up and down yes. sine wave you're actually stretching that two times so what you get if you've got a note a for example and a note a an octave above the 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 lower a peaks and troughs are actually further apart but they do actually overlap on each other a higher note of a which is vibrating at a much faster frequency you'll actually get two peaks and troughs in the space of one, one. the lower octave okay if that makes if that makes sense yes i don't know if you've ever heard of have you ever heard of the shepherd scale no basically what it is it's a it's a scale of notes that goes yeah but as it reaches the high point it actually starts with the same note, but an octave different. And it, it's basically just a loop.
but it gives this illusion that the scale is continually going up, just indefinitely. It's always going okay. up. Okay. It's, it's purely an illusion because our sort of brains kind of take out the, the idea of octaves and, and just sort of make it makes it seem like it's just an ever increasing increasing scale. Wow! But yeah, I've got a I've I've got a feeling there that what's what's going on is even though our brain frequencies and our body frequency, you know, natural states are much slower hertz than the colours and the sounds, there is actually mm-hmm. going to be an overlap there. Yeah, we're talking we're talking octaves effectively. So um, let's have a little think about these uh, chakras getting all out of balance now. Yes. <laughs> In Hinduism, we've got this constant flow of energy through the body and it's referred to as Shakti, mm-hmm. which is uh, the name of my... Um, I've got a Shakti a mat. mat. I've got a Shakti yeah. mat, which is a... Um, it's basically a bed of nails <laughs> that I sleep on. <laughs> Enough, I don't know how you do it. Oh, it's brilliant. I don't know how you do it. It's brilliant. I highly recommend them. At first, it sort of stings a little bit when you lay on it, but after a while, you just get this wonderful heat all over your body. I think the idea is to get, you know, get your uh, get your energy flowing around your body a bit. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. So, what happens to what happens when chakras get imbalanced? What causes that? How does that work? Okay, so when our chakras become imbalanced based on experiences and environmental factors, uh, we'll usually present with some sort of symptom. So it could be a physical pain, it could be a weakness, it uh-huh. could be a discomfort, um, could be an emotional thing where we just, for some reason, start to feel emotional, which we think is out of character, out of the blue, or it could be even a mental symptom, you know, where we've all of a sudden we're normally really happy, but we're down in the dumps for some reason and we can't figure out, you know, what's causing it. So in order to restore a positive balance, the entire blockage or the negativity has to be removed. And so... Uh-huh. Um, by using so it's not just a case of clearing one chakra sometimes it can be okay. that simple but in most cases it's a flow on effect so okay. if if you don't get to it you know straight up you sort of think oh, I'll get over it don't think anything of it and you allow it to go on for an indefinite period of time it can affect start to affect your other chakras as well so generally, generally, some sort of energy healing becomes necessary. Will help to to rebalance, yeah, all so of them at once. So things like uh, trauma, we've already mentioned. Yes. Um, anyone that's listened to my podcast before is aware that in the past I've suffered abuse, lots and lots and lots of trauma, mental health issues, things like uh, exiting a cult in a very messy way, uh, divorce. Divorce is said to be one of the most stressful things, isn't it? Divorce and moving house are two of the most stressful things, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and if you're doing the two at the same time, even more so. I've had a great year, haven't yeah, I? <laughs> a great year, yeah. um, and loss, loss. You know, when you're yes. sort of losing relationships and you know things that mean a lot to you. Um, basically, I looked at this the other day. My uh, my chakras are shot to shit. <laughs> 
so I need to think about what to do. Uh, you know, usually we just reach for the antidepressants, which, like we say, may help. But I'm not. I'm not sure it actually makes us healthier. Just numbs the. Uh, numbs it just numbs it. Yeah, doesn't it? You know, getting this uh, Shakti uh, energy flowing from one chakra point to another. I read uh, somewhere that it can have a knock-on effect in that when you get the energy flowing, you can actually end up with it all being kind of consolidated down in your in your root chakra. I did a uh, I did a podcast a while back known as the Kundalini Awakening. Yes. Yeah. The old coiled serpent in the base of your spine that needs to be yeah. uh, awakened and released in order to uh, sort of pierce through these various. Uh, chakras so it becomes becomes like a redistribution of energy a redist- i like that a redistribution of energy yeah i mean i've i've got at the moment a really really bad pain in the base of my spine in the uh, i suppose like the tailbone area of my spine yeah just started out of nowhere a while back and i wonder if that and, and it's interesting it started at a time where i'd done a lot of work on my particularly my emotional and mental and spiritual balance um, mm. and then i suddenly started this this physical pain in the base of my spine yeah. you know, i mean it might, it might have some physical uh, physical cause but i'm wondering if that is related in any way to this uh, kundalini uh, there's, there's a possibility i mean any, anything's possible and you know if you're just if you're focusing energy in certain areas more of an emotional yeah spiritual area and you're not focusing on your physical yeah then like right. we said yes, you, you, you can you, you can come up with some symptoms to show that hey i need attention please yes please help i, I, think, I yeah. think that is actually very much me i've always been very much uh, about you know what goes on in my brain and you know my thoughts and my feelings and spirituality often to the uh, neglect of my uh, physical of everything out yeah yeah yeah. so i'm definitely looking into um seeing what i can do about that at the moment i think as we get older too we sort of we start to feel falling apart (laughs) a little bit more on the physical scale (laughs) yeah falling apart comes to yeah we're falling apart just a brain in a jar actually to be honest (laughs) there we go Oh, well, I would treasure um, that brain. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So there's all sorts of ways you could sort of get this energy moving again. You know, um, there's uh, stuff like meditation, kundalini yoga. I don't think I'm quite ready for that yet. <laughs> the idea is to sort of get this energy moving up the spine uh, from the base of the spine to the top of the head. And um, you can experience all kind of mystical experiences and what have you. But the basic idea is to get this energy uh, balanced and, uh, and flowing isn't it Mm -hmm. so yeah there's meditation uh sound frequencies and crystals which we're going to have a look at there's obviously i think as well there's the old psychedelic drug direction i'm i'm not necessarily against that but i it's not really a route that i have particularly considered looking into no I've, i've always kind of been more interested in the meditation side of things you know and if we can enhance mm-hmm. that using things like sound frequencies and crystals rather than putting another drug into my body i think that'd be yeah that's right yeah that would be good so um coming on to the crystals then you are i mean you're really into crystals aren't you you love crystals i am i you do always loved crystals i've always 
loved crystals. As a kid, I used to collect rocks, okay? I think most kids, did you go down to the beach and you find little pebbles and things like that? Yeah, shells. Um, And shells. No, I used to collect rocks. Okay. (laughs) Rock on. Um, uh, But when I was about 16, I was on a school excursion to the city of Melbourne and we'd finished the educational part of the excursion and the teacher said we had, you know, free afternoon to explore the city and we just meet up somewhere at a particular time to head back. And a friend of mine and I happened upon this underground sort of basement type store and it was just like a, yeah, full shop. of crystals. Yeah, this shop. Oh, full okay. of not, crystals. Not just, not just somebody's base. <laughs> no, no, it was a shop, but it was <laughs> like you had to sort of go down a okay, sort of yeah. dark stairs to get access to this store. Right. And so it was just full of crystals and new age uh-huh. stuff and it was, yeah. And I walked in there and it was my, my whole body just buzzed. Like I could just feel the energy in this this shop, um, and I'd never experienced anything like it before. Yeah, You're very in tune with these things, aren't you? Very sentient. Yeah. So um, I, I, I'm a sensor. I I, I feel yes. things more than I don't. I don't see things. I don't really hear things. But I. I sense things. Yeah, I have yeah. a very strong sense. Yeah. Can I understand that to a degree? Because there's a uh, there's a place in uh, the UK. I'd love to take you sometime. Uh, Glastonbury, which is is obviously known for the uh, you know the music festival that goes off every year. But if you actually go to Glastonbury itself, into the uh, into the town, the whole place is full of everything occult. I, I don't. I don't mean sort of demonic you know in a sort of dark bad way um actually it's, it's mystic. mystical yeah it's actually quite yeah. that's it. it's, it's very light and airy and um but yeah there's lots of shops uh with uh, all kind of connections to things like buddhism and hinduism and new age and you know new oh i'd love something. to crystal i'd love to go there shops and shops of crystals and even even me uh when i went there and I wouldn't say at the time I was particularly in tune with these things, but I could actually feel it. It's almost like oh, wow. an energy signature, doesn't it? Yes, uh, yes. And they reckon uh, they reckon uh, Glastonbury is actually situated on a ley line, one of those okay. energy lines yes. I talked about earlier that I said to uh, surround the Earth. Ley lines are considered the Earth's chakras. <laughs> So, Isn't that beautiful? It is. Yeah, you've got this this kind of focal, these focal points, you know, throughout the Earth where these ley lines converge, where there's these very high energy signatures, and uh, you seem to be one of those that can uh, pick that up. Mm. So crystals themselves, they've all they've all got their own sort of feeling. You don't just look at a crystal and think, well, it's just another crystal. Uh, each one has a different type of energy mm-hmm. and it's funny, you don't need to know what, if you're a beginner and you yeah. don't, you have no idea where to start, you don't need to know what a particular crystal is good for. Your 
body will generally draw you to whatever it is that you need uh-huh. because your body knows it. So interestingly enough for me, the very first crystal that I was drawn to was tiger's eye, um, tiger's eye. and rose quartz, the two. But tiger's eye particularly, and I've only just recently re- found out why I was so drawn to that tiger's eye. Mm-hmm. Now that I've I've been able to read up on its properties, um, so tiger's eye is um, it's excellent for grounding, uh-huh. and highly recommended for people who've been suffering from low confidence or self criticism. Uh-huh. And at age 16, I absolutely hated myself. There was no self-love. There was no self-esteem. There was no self-worth. I, I looked at this whole table full of little gems, <laughs> and that was the one. It was like, oh, that I just – and you look at all the others, and, oh, but they're all beautiful. And, you know, you've got gorgeous colours, but that was the one. It was just like, no, I need to get this one. So I got, got one tiger's eye, and I got one uh, rose quartz. Right, because it's pretty and nice and pink, you know. And the um, crystals actually feel. Uh, I've I've heard people say that crystals are seem very much alive. Yeah, basically, I suppose you know they're they're made up of geometric molecules. Mm-hmm. They have their own specific and consistent, stable energy vibration and frequency. And while they have their own vibration, they also respond to external energy. Right. So basically, uh, I think there was there's a, a book called Book of Stones, written by Robert Simmons and Naisha Asian. Uh, said that when we bring a crystal into our electromagnetic field, the electromagnetic frequencies carried by the stone will vibrate with related frequencies in our own energy field through the physical law of resonance, creating a third larger vibration field. Uh-huh. So if, I, if I've understood that correctly, while a crystal has its own vibrational frequency, when it's connected to another vibrational frequency, it'll respond by mimicking the new frequency, adding it to its own frequency and amplifying the effect. That makes Actually, that makes a lot of sense, and it fits in with some things I researched about uh, what we call harmonic vibrations within uh, crystals. Yeah. The amazing thing with crystals is that if you apply an electrical signal, it still will vibrate at a very precise frequency. So, for example, quartz. You mentioned rose quartz. Uh, I'm not not sure whether or not this applies to rose quartz. I assume it does. Uh, but uh, quartz crystals. So crystals are kind of in a lattice arrangement atomically. Yeah. Um, and when you apply a freak, uh, when you apply an electrical signal, electrical source to a quartz crystal, it vibrates at exactly thirty two thousand seven hundred and sixty eight hertz. So thirty two thousand seven hundred and sixty eight times every second, and that's why we call wow. quartz clocks so precise. Yeah. You, you apply a battery to a quartz crystal and it will vibrate at 32.768. Generally speaking, as I understand it, uh, if you take the temperature down to absolute zero, so, you know, uh, you know you've got like this, the Celsius and Fahrenheit scale and there's also, yes, yes. There's also a scale called the Kelvin scale, which goes way, 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 way down low. Absolute zero on Kelvin is the equivalent of uh, minus... 
273, I think, in Celsius. Oh, wow. If That's cool. It, if you take the temperature all the way down to absolute zero, I understand, this is how I understand it, the um, things basically stop... <laughs> vibrating so you, mm-hmm. you would have you could effectively freeze your crystals <laughs> but yeah in gen, uh, general temperatures you know within the sort of general accepted sort of temperature range of you know what a crystal normally operates at yeah three uh, thirty two thousand seven hundred and sixty eight times a second wow. and that's, that's just quartz and you can actually do it backwards as well have you heard of uh, pe- piezoelectricity it's the it's the opposite. Uh, so I have heard of it, but I right. I have so never got my head around of, it. Um, it's basically just the opposite of what we just said. So you know, the, if you apply an electric current to a quartz, it will vibrate at a certain frequency. If you reverse yep. that, if you get a crystal and you squeeze it, it generates a yep. tiny electric voltage. There's actually um, electricity within that within that crystal that you can squeeze out of it. I mean, it's only very tiny, but. But it's there, nonetheless. That's yeah, right. and that's where you get, uh, yeah. you know, you get uh, all kinds of electronic applications for that. You know, piezoelectrics are a great way of getting, you know, small uh, small voltages of electricity when you've not got a, uh, you know, a battery or something like that. You can get it out of the that's amazing quartz itself. Yeah, something interesting that I've found um, online too is that. Mm. Uh, I mean, inconsistent cellular energy is inputted into a crystal. Uh-huh. The crystal can balance and transform that energy into a positive harmonic energy. So, like you were yes. saying, yeah, yeah, um, it's almost like I just thought that was like, amazing. Um, it's just it, it's like a corrector, isn't it? It's a corrector, and it's almost like when you're bringing that crystal into contact, say with your with your body, which has got. You know, let's let's say the chakras have got various different frequencies at various different points. We may not be able to detect those, in, you know, using ECGs and so on because of the mass of electrical signals that are in the body itself. But these little crystals, it's almost like they can feel yeah. and connect with those frequencies, and then they start vibrating. Yeah, they've got their own vibration, but as you bring them into yes. contact with your body's uh, chakra fields. They start vibrating and then there's this, like you say, it's almost like a balance and it's like the crystal is giving something and the body is giving something and it's kind of yeah, yeah. It's like an equilibrium between the two, isn't there? I find that absolutely fascinating, but you can't, it is. You can't just give a, like you can't just give a blanket number for a crystal vibration and say, you know, for example, you can't say every amethyst will vibrate at a specific frequency number. I yeah. think it depends on size. It depends on size. Uh, the yeah. colour, you know, even within, even, yes. even within, yes. uh, you know, like a rose quartz, there's various different shades. And of course, it's vibrations and frequencies are quite interesting. You, you've got three three things going on there. You've got the actual vibration itself, so the pattern of the vibration. We've just touched on like sine waves, you know, the typical kind of mm-hmm. curvy up and down wave, but. There's different types of vibrations. Um, certainly in, in sound vibration, you've got things like square waves, which are, as they sound, they're very square. You've got um, saw waves, which are more jagged. Um, and then you've got your nice sort of sounds, you know, your sine waves. Uh, so you've got your vibration, mm-hmm. your pattern. You've got your actual frequencies themselves, you know, how many oscillations there are every second. Uh, and then you've got the actual strength itself of the, of the signal. And I would imagine the bigger the crystal, 
Is that is that something yeah. you notice if you've got a really big hunk of a crystal? Does it make a difference? I think I think the larger the crystal, the better it is for absorbing energy. Yeah. In an area. Yeah. Not so much with working on yourself. You do, it doesn't need to be a huge chunk of crystal no. in order to um, help with the chakra energies. But if you've got like a three-bedroom apartment and you want a bit of uh, positive energy flowing, you might want to stick a a larger a, a larger piece. In the yes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And it's funny they actually specify. They actually say you know you should have a a love corner and a oh. wealth corner oh. and a health corner. Yeah, I was in this book that I'm going to sort of take some quotes from in relation to you know which crystals to use for each chakra. Um, yeah, uh, Judy Hall. It's it's uh, the crystal bible. Judy Hall mentions that yeah you can in in certain layouts you should have certain corners with certain crystals to yeah, just direct that energy. Yeah. In certain ways. You're getting into, yeah. uh, I suppose, as well, again, this is... Sort of like a feng shui type thing. Shui. It's getting into yeah. the area of maybe sort of ley lines and that sort of thing again. You know, you're trying to tap into the uh, the Earth's energy, aren't you? Mm, mm. Uh, I like that. Have you heard of... Um, you've heard of harmonics in, um, in music. Harmonics yes. is an interesting yeah. principle. I play the guitar, as you know. If you take a guitar... You know, normally you you press your finger down on a on a fret and you pluck the string further down with the other f- finger or thumb. Yeah, you, you get a very you get a very strong note. It's a very it's a very singular note. You know, a single octave note. The other thing you can do if you if you take your guitar, some some uh, guitarists use this in their in their performances. If you just tap lightly the string at the midpoint so you're not actually plucking it and you're not actually pressing it down you just you just kind of tap it with your finger mm-hmm. at, at the exact center point of the string the entire string vibrates in both directions and it's what's known as harmonic um, ah. you can actually hear let's say you hit the e string you can actually hear a variety of octaves of e it becomes a very uh, a very full note. It's quite an interesting experience. When you wow, harmonic note, and I get the impression that's kind of what's going on with these crystals when you bring them into contact with the with the body. It's kind of balancing, kind of absorbing energy, and it's giving energy. And there's this kind of everything settling down into this sort of midpoint. Does that does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. It does. Because everything in the human body, like we said, vibrates, doesn't it? You know, even on a on a cellular yeah. level. And that quote you read from, uh, what was it, the Book of Stones, it talked about um, the uh, nervous system being attuned. Yeah, the nervous system is attuned to these shifts of energy and transmits this information to the brain. There the frequencies stimulate biochemical shifts that affect the physical body. And it creates That's just a third vibrational field. So you've got third the vibrational, vibrational field, field of your body. You've got the vibrational field of the quartz or the whatever crystal it is. And they bring the two together and you get this balanced that. vibrational yeah. field. Yeah. That Which makes, is that's, that's that amazing. Sense. That makes a lot of sense. I like the um I like your uh, explanation where you say it's almost like it mimics the new frequency. 
and adds its own mm. frequency to mm. the mix. That's fantastic. So um, science, obviously, uh, hasn't figured it all out yet. No, sadly. But if, you know, like me, yep. curiosity got the better of me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we were talking about the colours of the chakras. Yes. Um, and the vibrational energy of the chakras and of crystals and of the colours and of sound, but with crystals, using crystals in chakra healing, certain colours, that all well, the colours of the chakras and the colours of the healing crystals correspond to each other. Right. In general. Yep. So there are others, other, other crystals that can be used that are not of the same colour, but generally for beginners... Yeah, if there's a specific chakra that uh, they want to focus so focus if, on initially. For example, I was looking at, uh, say, my root chakra is uh, yep. bunged up uh, and I've got this yep. pain in my root chakra and I want to get a bit of energy flowing down there. What would I use? Okay, so root chakra is red. Mm-hmm. So you could use bloodstone. Okay. Um, so it's an excellent grounding stone. Reduces irritability, aggressiveness, impatience. Yeah, I need that. Interesting that your root chakra is where you store your anger. Yes. Um, yeah. So you know, that's, uh, that's especially if you're not, yeah. if you're not a confrontational person. I, I was going to say that I I'm not an angry person. I well, I must experience anger. It must be obviously. There. It must be yeah. there, but it doesn't tend to surface. And, you know, when I've been through a lot of trauma and a lot of injustice and unfairness and that kind of thing. Mm. And, but I think sometimes because I'm not so much a confrontational person, it all kind of bottles uh, up, bottles up in my root chakra. So I could use a bloodstone. 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 Anything else? Uh, There's also red jasper. Right. Again, it, um, it's a, Good grounding stone assists with siphoning away negative energies, absorbs negative energy. Okay. Uh, it's it's also good for people who struggle with change. So it helps them make subtle changes, gradual improvements, and calms the emotions. So mm. yeah, I need a bit of that. Good place to start. Good place to start. So I need a bit of um, I need a bit of red jasper or bloodstone. That'll be good. Moving up the body then. So moving up. So then we've got yeah. the sacral chakra. Sac- orange. Orange. Okay. So generally, the first thing that'll come to mind, you think orange gem, would be topaz. Uh huh. And topaz is one of those stones that you could pretty much all use on any of the chakras because it knows which one needs to be uh, worked on and it'll start to vibrate at whatever frequency it needs to be. It's, it's, it's a clever one. It's a clever one. For, for, for those of us born in November. I like that. So yeah. that's, uh, that's orange. And that's, yep, that's so it cuts through doubt and uncertainty, makes you feel confident, promotes openness and honesty, self-realization and self-control. Great. Uh, the second one is citrine, so it helps to raise citrine, self-esteem. That's interesting, is that? So that's, uh, and that's orange. I wonder if that's related to the word citrus. Yeah. 
Mm. Possibly, yeah. Quite possibly. Um, and citrine is also good for the soul star chakra as well. The um, so the is that the the one? The, the, one? the one above the crown. Yeah, the that's right. Um, so raises self esteem, enhances individuality, improves motivation, activates creativity. Oh, I like that. Helps one, one yeah. That's helps one to, develop a, a positive. A that's on. That's going on the list. And stick yeah. it on my uh, stick it on yeah. my uh, keyboard so I can write some new music. <laughs> it's also good to help um, overcome fears and phobias oh, as well. So it can help me with yeah. my, uh, spider phobia. With your fear of Australian, Australian uh, creepy Australian, crawlies. Um, <laughs> Yeah, someone said to me the other day, you're going to Australia, you do realise they have massive spiders there? And I said, oh, I've been assured by Mariella that where I'm going, they don't have massive spiders. Yeah, not that big, not that big. Uh, any, <laughs> there any, are some really big ones, any, but they're generally up in the rainforest. For me, any big is big, any yeah. Big is big. <laughs> um, working up, you've got your red, your orange, then you go into... To the solar plexus, solar plexus. which is yellow. Yellow. Oh, that's your tiger's eye. It's my tiger's eye, yes. Uh, excellent for grounding, useful for recognising your needs as well as those of others. Highly recommended for people who've been suffering from low confidence or self-criticism and blocked creativity again. That's good. You actually felt a release in terms of the low confidence and self-criticism when you came into contact with uh, I felt I'd found myself. Brilliant. It's funny, I... I I'd finally been able to find something that without even knowing that that's what it was doing. Yeah. Um, of course I was cried down by family. So I, you know, wasn't able being, to keep uh, them being for too long I'm being a, uh, JWs. Yeah. Goodness, yeah. Um, I, th- I do think it's, uh, I think it's sad, not just Jehovah's Witnesses, but even Christianity in general. Mm, mm. to look down on a lot of these things to do with alternative healing and you know it, because it's got these these eastern religious kind of origins a lot of it hasn't it yeah, Autistic yeah. origins and, and so forth and so they kind of i know as a jehovah's witness you would have never been able to really uh it was a bit of a battle yeah your uh love <laughs> my my spiritual side my true spiritual side Another stone for the solar plexus chakra is malachite. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are often drawn to malachite because they have a lot of old wounds and a lot of emotional baggage yep. that they want to let go of. So it helps people recover from trauma and excess emotions. So that's a, a really, really good all-rounder, that one. Good all-rounder. And that's, yeah. that's your kind of three more physical earthy yes chakras. that's right you move into the, the uh, into the heart chakra the yeah heart chakra. so we've green. got aventurine okay. which is green yep uh this promotes compassion and empathy enhances creativity calms anger and irritation stimulates emotional recovery interesting we've got the creativity there again yeah yeah i suppose creativity helps to calm doesn't it you know when you've yeah, when you and, can sit uh, down and and just enjoy your hobbies. It does, and I I've also made a very strong connection between creativity and spirituality. Um, yeah, I, I was going through therapy, and my therapist actually one of the first things she did was to say pick a color. 
That was, was interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, pick a colour. She asks, "What do you mean?" She said, "There's a there's a pack of uh, there's a pack of um, felt-tip pens on her uh, on her desk." And she said, "Pick a colour." And I said, "Green." I just gravitated towards green, and she, she took the green, and she said, "Right, we're going to use green today." And she was writing these affirmations on cards for me, and one of them was. Um, God has a purpose for you. But I yeah. wasn't sure what it was, and we sort of explored this. And uh, I came away from that session feeling that my spirituality was very much tied up with my creativity, that creating things, writing poems, music, mm. um, art, painting, photography, this sort of thing, could actually be my new form of, for want of a better word, worship, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and Particularly I, if you're focusing on nature. Yes. As, as you know, particularly like photography or artwork and things like that. Absolutely. Um, it, yeah. It does feel a very uh, creativity is a very spiritual experience. And I, I just think, I mean, music for me is, you know, particularly if you're in a, uh, in a concert setting, you know, or a festival setting, that kind of yeah. thing. I think I said to you yesterday, it is almost a spiritual experience yeah. isn't it you know and it brings, definitely it brings the crowd together everyone's sort of on the same page there's a lot of love and oneness and that sort of thing there so anything that brings uh, creativity and spirituality to the table and that would be that would be your heart chakra green yeah heart chakra yeah venturine now rose quartz is also a healing crystal for the heart chakra this is the exception to the rule about colors okay um but pink is associated with hearts and love. Oh, so it is, yeah. it, it's not surprising that this stone has the heart chakra healing properties. Um, so in short, it's a powerful harmonizing gemstone, brings much needed peace and love in lives yeah. that are rife with conflict. Mm-hmm. It strengthens empathy, aids in acceptance of necessary change, helps to release unexpressed emotions, heartache and internalized pain and encourages self-forgiveness and self-love. Oh, I need a bit of that. So... The old self-forgiveness. Yeah, yeah, we all need it. But I just thought it was interesting that, you know, going back to Tiger's Eye and Rose Quartz being my first two ever crystal purchases, you know, um, encourages self-love for somebody who is suffering from low self-confidence. Self-esteem. Yeah. And self-criticism, you know. Uh, just putting the two together, you know, I did it because they were pretty, but your body knows what you need. You know, it's you're intuitive. You're, you yeah, will be drawn. Go into a crystal shop and see which one draws you. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. What about Alrighty. moving up the body, we get to the... Uh, to the throat chakra, mm-hmm. which is blue. Blue. So aquamarine. Yep. It's a stone of courage. It overcomes judgmentalism and promotes self-expression. Obviously, when you think of the throat, okay, yeah, that's that's where we communicate. So it, it, it helps to become confident that you can express yourself. Um, the next one is blue tourmaline, and this this is reading about this was actually quite interesting for myself because my very next purchase. <laughs> for crystals uh, <laughs> late last year after a huge year emotionally spiritually having left 
to witnesses. Uh, blue tourmaline stimulates the urge for spiritual freedom spiritual and clarity of self-expression. Oh, and self-expression. Yeah. And they are two things which when you're in a cult... Like you just, do not have. You do not have spiritual freedom and you definitely don't have self-expression. <laughs> no. It promotes self-confidence, attracts inspiration, compassion and tolerance. So... Again, I had no idea that, you know, that's what blue tourmaline... Well, that's what it does. ...does, but it was obviously something that I needed at the time. Yeah, so I am a big believer in just go with what your body's telling you you need to take with big you. Big believer in blue yeah. tourmaline. Big, big blue tourmaline. Uh, moving up to the third eye chakra, uh, indigo is the colour. So we've got one, lapis. one between your eyes, is it? That's correct, yes. Uh, lapis lazuli releases stress and encourages deep peace, allows self-expression, encourages honesty, compassion and creativity again. Sodalite is the next one. Eliminates mental confusion, encourages rational thought and truth, calms the mind while allowing new information to be received. Ah, that one sounds interesting. I might get myself a yeah. soda light and stick that on the head. Soda light. <laughs> Helps with mental confusion, encourages rational thought. But I think there's, um, I'll just throw this in here. There, there does mm-hmm. tend to be a bit of a feeling amongst some people that listen into podcasts like this, that if you're into crystals and frequencies and vibrations and all the rest of it, that you've somehow lost Are irrational. your ability to think rationally. Uh, <laughs> you know, and that if it can't be proved, it isn't true. I strongly disagree with that. I think uh, intuition, I've said it before, is a, a very viable route to truth. It really is. Yeah, it is. The, the thing with intuition is you may not be able to prove it to other people because it is an experience. You have to it's a personal it. thing. Mm. Yeah. But if you can you have experience to. something and it feels it feels like it's working, then great. You know? It's working. Yeah. It's right. working. I think so. So we'll try a bit of that. Uh, and then you get up to your crown. <laughs> to the crown chakra, which um, is violet, colour violet. Violet. Uh, charoite. It's not something that Never you heard of hear about every day. Yeah. No. Um it grounds the spiritual self into everyday reality. I thought that was quite a strong statement. You know, sometimes, you know, when you're focusing on your spiritual self, you tend to lose yeah. touch with like it's drawing reality. Spirituality yeah. down into you. So it, it, it just brings you back down. Hmm. It's still encouraging that spiritual side, but keeps you into in a, in, in a realistic frame of mind it re-energizes the body it transmutes negative energy into healing helps with insomnia oh okay um and lipidolite 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 (laughs) no you're not wet in the bed um clears electromagnetic pollution dissipates negativity activates and opens the crown chakra bringing cosmic awareness Extremely useful in the reduction of stress, depression, obsessive thoughts, and insomnia. Insomnia. So you're really getting into the uh, the cosmic uh, spatial aura body mm. going on. And it looks I like think it's it'll help with your uh, Wi-Fi signal as well. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I thought it's interesting that these these crown chakra ones now start going into helping with insomnia. Like it's it's a it's a headspace thing. Insomnia is a headspace thing. Yes. So dreams are very just no, it's interesting. Sleeping. Yeah, dreams are very spiritual, aren't they? It's a very spiritual yeah. experience. So bringing your uh, bringing sleep to the body. I love that. So that's uh, that's the various different crystals that you can that you can use. And obviously, there are you can, like I said, you can mix and match certain things. You know, certain yeah crystals. There are crystals that shouldn't be used for you know with pe- for people who have specific illnesses. Okay. Um, for example, black obsidian. It's not. It's not recommended that it gets used by people with schizophrenia, mainly because good. Uh, uh, it probably trigger, a, an, trigger episode an episode, and it'd be difficult yeah. to. Yeah, that makes sense. Difficult to differentiate between a spiritual experience and a schizophrenic oh, episode. Absolutely. You know, yeah, we've we've said this before. It's similar with uh, bipolar disorder as well. You know, yeah, yeah, because they're so yeah. similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, so to you know to just to stay on the safe side, you you sort of stay away. From, try to keep that out of from yeah obsidian. The obsidian, yeah. So, but yeah, there's this book by Judy Hall, the Crystal Bible. That's where I got that information from. Obviously, you know, there's pages and pages and pages and pages and pages that you could go through. But um, the, uh, a kind of uh, quick guide. Quick guide, what we quick colour guide, basically, yeah. Um, I love it. So you bring these uh, crystals into contact with your body and uh, somehow they make a, uh, a connection. And you've mentioned that uh, when it comes to things like Reiki healing and I'm presuming crystals as well, there's an element of heat. You can actually feel a sort of buzzing or a, a um, signature from these. It's, it- yeah, just an energy signature, I guess. Uh, some of them stay cool to the touch. They don't heat up. Okay. Uh, for well, example, amethyst that, doesn't uh, heat. Having said that, uh, I was thinking about this the other day, that uh, the hermetic teaching of polarity says that cold and hot are actually the same scale. Same thing. Yeah. 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 It's just cold is uh, what we consider cold is less hot, <laughs> effectively. Yeah, and hot is... More than cold. Hmm. Yeah. I was doing a bit of research into uh, the actual atomic uh, structure of uh, these crystals. Obviously, like anything, crystals are made up of atoms and molecules. And uh, in in crystals, they tend to be kind of laid out in in what they call lattices, which is almost like a grid grid sort of system with you your atoms and molecules arranged uh, in these lattices. And these lattices, you know, we're talking about these vibrations, the natural vibration, but also the applied vibration from uh, an external frequency. These these lattices actually vibrate in a, in a mode that they, uh, they refer to as a, a phonon. Basically, you've heard of photons. Yes. Similar to this, a phonon is is essentially a um, it's like a, a a unit, a measurement of uh, vibrational energy that arises from atoms when they oscillate within a within a crystal. So when when you've actually got this kind of vibration going on, the crystals are producing what we call 
or, or creating what we call a phonon, a, a vibrational energy. So, and, and that applies to any any crystalline substance, any anything that's solid that's crystallized. So, even even stuff like table salt, you know, sodium chloride. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. If you look at table salt under a microscope, the atoms are they're sort of in this very specific. A very specific repeating three-dimensional pattern called a, a lattice. There's that sort of you talked about geometry earlier, didn't you? Yeah, the molecular structure. Mm. It's very, it's very, very orderly within crystals. Um, and the cool thing about it, if you imagine like these lattices, atoms are, it's almost like they're connected by little tiny springs. The atoms are sort of arranged in these grids or these these lattices where they're connected by these little, let's just call them springs for a moment. Mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. when you apply an outside force, the whole thing kind of, the, the lattice itself, the grid itself vibrates and creates oh. this kind of, it is literally a mechanical wave that carries energy in the form of heat and even sound through the material. You can actually transmit sound through crystals as well as light and heat. Wow and so forth yeah it's pretty cool isn't it so um and they go through it in a very definite pattern so you know they're, they're great for things like clocks and any anything that sort of needs to be measured very very precisely you know I suppose that's why they use it for radio waves i think too mm-hmm. don't they i think so yep yeah um here's an interesting thing about phonons so heat transfer generally speaking when we when we think about heat transferring through things there's there's basically two ways that heat which is a form of energy is is transferred you've got conduction and you've got radiation so conduction Mm -hmm. is you've got two two items that come into contact with each other so there's a very definite definite contact Mm -hmm. between the two items and the and the heat from one is conducted to the other Know, and the heat from the other is, you know, it's shared. The conduction is, the heat is shared between the two objects. And then you've got what's known as radiated heat. So this this is where you've got two objects at a distance and the heat travels. Yeah. Generally speaking, we'd say through a medium such as air, you know, it heats the air and that, that sort of in turn heats, heats the object that's kind of indirectly connected to it via radiation. And in these in these two ways of heat transfer, you've got conduction, which is there's no gap between the objects, and then you've got radiation, mm-hmm. which is, relatively speaking, a large gap. You know, certainly in atomic yep. terms, there's a, there's a very definite gap between the two things. But this is where this phonon energy comes in, in that it's it's neither conduction nor radiation. Conduction is on a microscopic level; it's very 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 close, and then. For example, like uh, the sun transmitting heat via radiation is on a, a macroscopic mm-hmm. level. You know, it's, it's it's large, but they were the scientists were really really struggling to see how they could make heat flow across a gap that's neither too small nor too large. If you, if you go too small, it becomes conduction. If you go too large, it becomes radiation. But there must be sort of something yeah. in between, and this is where. Uh, MIT, the um, researchers at MIT in Oklahoma, come up with a model where heat can flow between two objects uh, separated by a gap of less than a nanometer. So it's not... There is a gap there, but Mm -hmm. it's a really teeny, teeny, tiny gap. And 
the way that heat transfers at those very, very small gaps is through what's known as phonon tunneling. Basically, what you've got these these phonons, these uh, energy waves that are travelling through crystals, for example, are able to actually tunnel from one object through to another across a gap. Wow! So it's um, it's almost like a a kind of sharing of its of its vibrating atoms from from one object into another, giving it you know and warming it up in the process. So it's it's wow. it's effectively quantum what they call quantum tunneling. And they can carry heat, not not so much between the materials, but more sort of within the materials. It's almost like they're connecting with each other at, mm-hmm. a, at a distance, albeit a nanometer of a distance. You know, it is it is a it is a distance. So what they, what they said is that um, phonon tunneling basically explains the what they call the physical mechanics of energy transport at, at a scale which can't be attributed to either conduction or radiation and i'm wondering whether there's anything in that in regards to the way that crystals are connecting with the human body because there's very very clearly not any sort of conduction going on because you know the crystal might be touching your skin but it's it's not in contact with the actual energy vortex is it that's within the body and you don't sort of you know when you pick a crystal up you don't actually get you know it's not it's not hot to the touch is it no, no, that's right. And yet there's this energy and even this sort of heat transmission that's going on between the two. And this this is something that you can actually feel when you bring crystals into contact with your body. It actually, if it buzzes, it tingles, it, you yeah. feel this. Yeah. yeah, I feel this, yes. I'm not sure I'm quite as sensitive to it, but um, I know uh, I know you are. I've got a quote here from um, uh, a guy called Vazrik Chiloyan, uh, an MIT grad student in mechanical engineer engineering. He says, uh, this is right in the regime where the language of conduction and radiation is blurred. We're trying to come up with a clear picture of what the physics are in this regime. Now we've brought information together to demonstrate that quantum tunneling, phonon tunneling, is in fact what's going on with this heat transfer picture. So on a crystal level, atomic crystal lattice level, mm. I know there's something happening there when it comes to heat and energy transfer. Yeah. They're just yeah. they're just struggling a bit at the moment to um, to sort of pin- to piece it together. Yeah. Can I just um, can I just bring you on? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's take a look at this eighth chakra. Okay. Yep. What's going on there? The eighth chakra or the ninth chakra, if you're uh, working with the extended numbers. This soul star chakra out in in the oral body or the aura yep. part of us, uh, that is a channel for spiritual awareness. Kind of doorway or yeah. gateway. Yeah. A gateway, that's the one. This is more of a spiritual experience, isn't it? Yes, Um, yes. We've got our general chakras that that tend to sort of ground our earthly self. And then you've got this kind of oral body that extends outside of the physical body. That's correct. And the eighth or ninth chakra is the doorway, uh, joining your physical body to your... Spiritual soul, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or to the divine, if you want. Or to the divine, yeah. That's, that's or to the divine. It. So depending on how you energy. how you view it, whether you're um, yeah, whether you believe in your soul, yeah, 
moving on or if you're just or even happy a, to... Uh, or even if you, if you subscribe like I do to the idea that there is a source, mm. not God necessarily, but a, a divine source, a creative source from which everything arises. It's uh, this eighth or ninth chakra is the uh, energy center known for spiritual connection, effectively, and transcendence. Yes. I think that's interesting. It's um, when we talk about transcending our physicality into, uh, you know, sort of recognizing that we are sp- spiritual beings having a human existence. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that's interesting, too, that you say that because I've got a quote here from a yoga instructor named Julian Raby. He says that chakras remind us of our infinite potential. We can be grounded yet flexible, expressive yet compassionate. And I'm going to add to that and say that the chakras remind us of our infinite potential, that we can be physical yet spiritual. I like that. Yeah, we are both physical and spiritual, aren't we? And spiritual beings, yeah. Yeah, when you extend the uh, chakra system beyond the seven chakras, that brings that very much into... So we're, we're, we're talking things like spiritual wisdom, inspiration, opening ourselves up to things like astral travel, <laughs> astral projection, parallel realities, that kind of thing. Basically like a connection from our higher self, isn't it? This this eighth. Yeah, that's right. I, uh, I read somewhere that uh, accessing the eighth chakra can give us direct access to what are known as the Akashic Records. Have you heard of those before? I have heard of those before, yes. This goes down the path of forensic healing as well. So, Okay, something you're interested in, I know. <laughs> so the uh, Akashic Records are basically a universal database, I suppose is the best way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. A uh, compendium of uh, every event, thought, word, emotion and intention ever to have occurred in the past, present or even in the future. Not just human lives, but all entities, physical, spiritual. And it's uh, it's like it's basically like a record of all potentiality. I would say this sounds very much again like the uh, divine matrix that we talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you're able to open your eighth chakra, your spiritual chakra, it's almost like a gateway to accessing this kind of information. And uh, that often yeah. comes to you in the form of intuition again, doesn't it? You know, just certain things yes. that just happen to you happen to know. Or dreams. Dreams. Or, yeah. yeah. Dreaming. Synchronicities. Hmm. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's some, definitely something I'm going to look into a bit more, the uh, the eighth chakra and i'll uh, i'll just leave it on um a new word i've come across Ooh. theosophy <laughs> you heard of theosophy, theosophy. a theosophist <laughs> give you an example <laughs> there's uh, there's a, uh, a woman called alice ann bailey she uh, lived from 1880 to 1949 and she was a writer on um, theosophical subjects and this woman alice bailey was uh, one of the first writers actually to use the term new age which i suppose a lot of these things like chakras and yeah. uh crystals and you know gong bars and all this sort of thing come under that that kind of new age term you know they've, they've 
they've gone from being a Hindu basis, in, you know, an Eastern Hindu religious basis into this new kind of Western uh, yeah. new, like, new, new age. philosophy. Yeah. So theosophy, is it's basically a religion. I suppose you could call it a religion. Sprung up in the, the US late 19th century, uh, like a lot of the other American sects and cults, mm-hmm. if you did. And uh, it, was, it was founded by a Russian immigrant called Blavatsky, Elena Lavatsky. It was a new, a new religious movement at the time, theosophy, and um, it basically took Western esotericism and occultism and and kind of blended it with the older philosophies, Neoplatonism, that sort of thing, uh, Asian mm-hmm. religions, Hinduism, Buddhism, and kind of mixed it all up. And uh, I think what we're looking at when we talk about you know the chakras and crystals and that sort of thing, it's an example of theosophy at work yeah yeah she uh, this woman uh, alice bailey wrote a, uh, she wrote a book called light of the soul on the yoga sutras of patanjali <laughs> uh union achieved and its results there's a there's a title wow uh, 1927 she said the akashic record is like an immense photographic film registering all the desires and earth experiences of our planet those who perceive it will see pictured thereon the life experiences of every human being since time began the reactions to experience of the entire animal kingdom the aggregation of the thought forms of a karmic nature based on desire of every human unit throughout time herein lies the great deception of the records only a trained occultist can distinguish between actual experience and those astral pictures created by imagination and keen desire. But that was quite good. Interesting. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that just sort of muck around with this, isn't there? You know, the old uh, balancing your chakras and sticking crystals around the uh, around the house. But uh, if you're really into this stuff, it um, it becomes a almost a science in its in itself, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. If not a religion. <laughs> so there you go. Theosophy. 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 So there you go. That's chakras and crystals and vibrations and frequencies. Thank everybody for joining us again. Join us again soon. Bye for now. Bye.